Welcome to another episode of Behind the Now. Today, I get to chat with award-winning actor, author, and teacher, Michael Laskin. Michael has been a working professional actor for over 40 years in film and television, from Seinfeld to Big Little Lies and a lot in between. He has also worked at some of America's leading regional theaters, including the Geffen Playhouse and the Seattle Repertory Theater. Michael is also the founder of the Michael Laskin Studio and author of The Authentic Actor, The Art and Business of Being Yourself. Listen in to dive into Michael's creative journey and the craft of acting and authenticity. How are you, Michael? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, <clears throat> I have, we have all uh, survived the last 13 or so months and um, yeah, I mean, compared to most people, I have no complaints at all. I'm healthy, everybody in my family's healthy, work has continued. So um, what the future brings, uh, once we sort of reacclimate to what is, will be a new normal, I don't know, but you know, in, in the now, in the present, I'm pretty good. Yes, that's amazing. Thank you for doing this. So I want to just start with how, so you've been a professional working actor for 40 years, yes. over 40 years. And yes. I just want to ask you, how did you get to where you are today? You can well, go as far back as you want, like your upbringing. Did you always want to be an actor? Were other people in your family in entertainment? Okay. Um, nobody in my family was enter in entertainment. I was raised in Minnesota, which um, being, being a Jewish kid in Northern Minnesota was <clears throat> an interesting perspective on life. Um, and um, I didn't really, <clears throat> pardon me, I didn't really know, I, I was like a lot of people who do what we do. I was in all the high school plays and all that stuff. And I really didn't even think that one could pursue this. And my high school um, counselor, college counselor, a guy named Mr. Joe Barini, <laughs> said, you know, you could, you could go study theater. And he put the, he put the idea in my head. I went, oh man, my parents are not going to go for that. But <clears throat> I went to, <clears throat> pardon me, I just have to have a sip of water. Um, I did my undergraduate work at Northwestern University, which had and has a very prominent sort of theater program. And um, when I left school, I, I'm trying to put this in some perspective because at that time, mm. there was something that we now call the regional theater movements. There were regional theaters, every year there were more and more popping up. And Minnesota actually happened to be a hotbed for that. There was a tremendous amount of theater there, including the Guthrie Theater, which is still there. Mm -hmm. And so I went back and took a master's degree because I got a fellowship uh, to study and to also be in the company at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis back really in its heyday. And uh, I stayed there. I stayed in Minnesota. I, I literally never stopped working for 10 years in Minnesota. Wow. There were several regional theaters and I had a show that we <clears throat> we created there that <clears throat> pardon me went on to 
the Actors Theatre of Louisville, went on to Off-Broadway, went on to Los Angeles, went on to the Edinburgh Festival where we won a bunch of awards and went on to London. So all that came out of being in Minneapolis, strangely enough. Yeah, that's amazing. So I had done a tremendous amount of that kind of work. Um, and I was at a point where I just got married, still married. And um, it was either, you can't, at least my way of thinking was I couldn't stay in Minneapolis for the rest of my life, even though Minnesota was home. Mm-hmm. had to go to New York or LA and I'd spent a little bit of time in New York and had spent some time in LA because my mom was from here. My grandma lived here mm-hmm. <clears throat> and LA seemed like a very foreign place to me at the time. But uh, I, I, the play I did that went all over the world basically was done here in LA and I got a little bit of interest in me. And so I decided to come to LA after we finished the off-Broadway run. Mm-hmm. And I started doing film and television work almost immediately. I literally, within six weeks of being here, I had an agent and my first job. Different times, mm-hmm. by the way, much, much different mm-hmm. in the way, in the, the point of entry for, for young actors. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was also not, I was 32 when I came here. I wasn't 22, there's a big difference. Mm-hmm. So uh, <clears throat> I, um, I just started working in film and, and television and I worked continuously for a long time. I, I wasn't very good at it at first, mm. um, to be perfectly honest. I watched some of my early, I watched at the time some of my early performances and I just thought I was terrible. Mm. I still find it hard to watch myself, but, um, yeah. but I wasn't very good. I, it's a whole other thing that I had to learn and you don't learn that in the theater by any means, you learn something else. You learn sort of a presentational quality. You learn actually the ability to to fool people into being somebody else who you're entirely different from. And sometimes that happens in film, but mostly you are hired to be a version of who you already are. Mm. And it just took me a while to make that pivot. And I was lucky enough to work with some great I mean, unbelievable people, so fortunate. And just watching the people who I thought were good, mm-hmm. watching them work, I, I learned a lot doing that. So it took a long time. I'm still not, I just did a film a couple of weeks ago. And I'm still, I still find it very difficult. It's just a different, I don't think it's an organic thing to do. I think acting on stage is kind of an organic thing to do. It's sort of related to playing and and that you are free once once the once the play is up and running you the actor is free to sort of control the evening Mm -hmm. and film acting is a whole other environmental thing it's a different set of techniques I don't think it's as much fun Mm. but it's a lot of fun to go to to an opening the of a film you're in so that's fun. Mm Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I've been doing. I mean, I just turned 70, for God's sake. Oh, that's awesome. When is your birthday? April 3rd. April 3rd. Oh, it was just your birthday. Just my birthday. Happy late birthday. Thank you. It's so, it's, you know, it's a stupid false marker to turning any age. Uh I know. But it does make you think about what you've done, where you've been, where you're going 
uh, what's next, mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I've been doing, you know, all of a sudden I, I turned around and blinked and I've been doing it forever. And it feels mm-hmm. like I started five minutes ago. Yeah. So I still am interested in the process very much. And part of that is because I'm, because I've been teaching for the last decade or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way, but I feel sorry for people getting into the business right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's harder than it was. It's always been hard. Yeah. But I think it's harder than it was. I think talent is less important than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, there's a lot of op- lot more opportunities in many mm-hmm. ways too. So. I think the difference is, and I think it's what's happened, um, it's what's happened in our culture and in our country in a way. It used to be, and I don't want to sound like one of those guys who's always talking about the old days, but (laughs) in the old days, it used to be if you worked enough, you could actually make a living and raise a family and have a house and do all the things that normal people do. I think that's much harder now. Mm. I think you can make a killing, but it's hard to make a living year in year out which is what i was able to do through film television and voiceover i did a tremendous amount of voiceover as well mm-hmm. for long for decades and that that really got me through some patches when film and television work wasn't as um prom it wasn't as prominent it wasn't mm-hmm. as available to me so that's kind of i mean i'm a journeyman i'm a guy who's been doing it for a long time and um Never quite got the brass ring as far as getting a series that ran for five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to have that happen. Now I don't care anymore about, I mean, that's it's, you know, you get to a certain age and it depends how you define success. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. So I define success the way I define it. I think, yeah, I've been quite successful. <clears throat> Just, you know, continuing to work even as recently as a couple of weeks ago. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, you know what, Jenna, this is a, this is a, an endeavor where you don't have many people who are going to tell you how it goes and give you guidance and be a mentor. And that's one of the reasons I, I I never, I never had that. I never had anyone in that Mm -hmm. position in my life. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to start my own studio and teach to hopefully provide that aside from providing a place where people can come and work and have a safe mm-hmm. space and respect and being treated like adults and all that stuff is to mentor people. And, and I have done that. And that, that's been yeah. a tremendous um, uh, reward for me. Yeah. And your studio is tremendous. Such a, you really attract amazing artists, actors, and people like very genuine people and just an explosion of creativity. It's really amazing. Um, I think so. Thank you. So what was your transition of um, going, getting into teaching? When did you decide to teach? Well, it's funny you ask. I didn't really decide to teach. Uh Um, At one time I was uh, briefly in in Jeffrey Tambor's acting class. Jeffrey's an old friend of mine and a wonderful actor. And I was in his class and he wanted me to teach when he, he was getting starting to get busier as an actor and would I take over the class while he was doing thing, doing, yeah, going off to do jobs. And first of all, he intimidated me personally. I love Jeffrey, but he intimidates a lot of people. That's kind of part of his thing. (laughs) 
And I thought, well, I don't think that's a very good idea for me to do that because they're going to want you. Hmm. They're not going to want me. And number one, I was very honored that he asked me. But, yeah. But uh, I, and I said to him, I said, I think you need somebody who's 100% with you in that regard. In other words, an acolyte or somebody who is a follower in a way. Hmm. And I said, I'm about 80% with you, but I'm not 100%. There are things I just don't agree with, I would do differently. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and I think you don't want that. And I think we're good friends and I think this will mm-hmm. possibly fuck up our friendship. So I'm gonna just politely say no. Mm-hmm. That's very and he, and he, he said, um, well, you should teach anyway. He said, you, you just have a gift. And I said, I really, I see it and I think you should do it. So he encouraged me and kind of around the same time I got an offer to go down and teach a master class at some at this college down in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I knew somebody who knew somebody. And I said, well, I don't even, they said, why don't you come down here and do this? I said, I don't even know what I would teach. Mm-hmm. I don't have a clue. Well, why don't you figure it out? And I kept saying no, and I kept saying no, and they kept mm-hmm. upping the price. And finally I said, okay, shit, all right, I'll have to do this. So I had to sit down and put pen to paper and sort of write out what I believed in. Uh, is that how your book came about? And that was the beginning of how the book came about because mm-hmm. the book also came about, and that, long story short, I enjoyed that experience in Georgia. I, I, I thought, oh, this is good. I actually know a lot that I didn't realize I knew. Mm. And when I, again, opened the um, studio, I just started blogging. I, I sent out, I don't know, there's like 150 I have them archived somewhere. They're not really available, but they were, I took a lot of care with that and a lot of time with that because I thought if I'm going to do this, uh, I don't, I, I want, I, I, I want to have something original to say because mm-hmm. everyone's, uh, they teach Meisner, they teach this, they yeah. teach that. I don't have any of that. I don't really want any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not against it, but I never <laughs> fell under the influence of that kind of school of thought or teacher, I really learned what I do in front of paying customers. Mm. And so there's a difference there. It's the difference between people who actually play golf or people who just go to the driving range and hit balls, Mm. if you understand. So I went, uh, I started, so I started writing all this stuff and it was good. And I got a lot of traction from that. And there was a woman in my class at the time who was a screenwriter. She was there to, um, not to participate as an actor, but just to observe mm-hmm. as a writer. And she said, you know, you've, I can help you. And I didn't charge her anything mm-hmm. because it, she wasn't really taking up any of my time and demanding class time and all that. So as a way to pay me back, she said, you know, you have already written the book. It's in all your blogs. Mm-hmm. I could help you formulate that into a book proposal and et cetera, et cetera. And so with a lot of stitching things together and rewriting and this and that, I came up with it and I sent it to the one person I knew in the publishing business who I was absolutely certain was not gonna say yes to it because <laughs> it's not the kind of book he publishes. He's the biggest, it's mwp.com, which is my publisher, Michael Weesey Productions. Mm-hmm. They're the biggest publisher of film books in the world. And oh. they basically do to, not to generalize too much, but they basically do how-to film books for cinematographers, directors, writers mostly. They only have one or two books about acting. Mm. 
So I assumed, and he even said, Michael, who's been a friend of mine for a long time, the publisher, he said, this is probably not something we would do, but I said, well, take a look at it. I'd love your opinion and maybe you can guide me to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is great. He said, we're gonna publish this. I went, okay, yeah. all right. So now I'm really, I'm, really I'm in deep now, baby. Yeah. So that's the short version of how I got here. <laughs> yeah, very, that's, that's incredible. And, and like, it sounds very organic. The book came about super organically. Teaching came about organically. It was almost like there was such a demand that kept pulling you in that you eventually, that you like, you got filled out that you did it, you know? Yeah, it, it, it was organic. That is the yeah. right word for it. And without patting myself on the back and saying that I'm Mother Teresa and all that, um, it was never anything I did where my first object was to make money. Mm. Now, not going to do it for free, obviously, because time, your time is anybody's right. time has a price tag on it. But it was never, it was never about that. It is still not about that. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of is a freeing thing. Yeah. I think, I think most of the places that do that, that do what I do, it's about making money. Hmm. It, it kind of is. And yeah. so my thing has always been with what with the teaching aspect has been it's boutique it's small i don't advertise i'm really not on yeah. social media too much people find me because of the reputation and to your point where there's really great people in there yeah i will take full credit for that yeah because i think any class you go to is a reflection of who leads it so if you have a crazy person <laughs> you're gonna have a crazy class. Yeah. If you have a person who needs to be worshiped, you're gonna have a class full of people looking to worship somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, ref that's, uh, you know, that's all it is. It's just, yeah. that I'm a relatively well-adjusted normal person. Yeah, I love that so much. It's true, like I've looked at different classes and they're all different. They have different energies, different people are attracted to them. It's interesting, you know? And I think it is a reflection of Whoever's running the class, yeah. yeah 100%. So I, I really want to ask you about this concept of being yourself. So your book is called The Authentic Actor, The yeah. Art and Business of Being Yourself. <laughs> and, and I know you, um, you have this distinction between acting for theater and acting for film, where I think the answer to is acting being yourself, I think it differs, right? For theater versus film, which I yeah. think offers a lot of clarity. Um, and then, so I, yeah, I want you to talk a little bit more about that as well as, so being yourself versus being a transformative actor. How do you have both of those? How do you reconcile both of those? Um, they both exist in yeah. their own universes, I think. Mm. And somebody who is like, uh, I think of, uh, I don't know why I was I was default to him, but Seth Rogen is a perfect mm -hmm. example of a guy who just plays everything as if it's a Seth Rogen part. Mm -hmm. He views everything with his uh, unique identity. So that's kind of a really extreme example yes. of an identity-based actor. Um, the training that was the big takeaway from what I started to write about and what I wrote about in my book. Mm -hmm. And it was the big lesson for me personally to learn 
that I was enough. I didn't have to be somebody else. Yeah. And so that said, you still, the actor still must acquire skills. Yeah. And I see, you know, there isn't as, acting, there's a lot of opinions about acting. The opinions mm -hmm. go like, uh, oh, I liked her. Oh, did you? I didn't really like her. Why didn't you like her? I don't know, I just didn't like her. There's a lot of that. But the actual sort of forensic examination of what an actor does from the standpoint of skill is, you know, the only thing that really is a test of that in the same way that a concert pianist or an opera singer would have tests regarding what they can or cannot do is Shakespeare. Shakespeare is the big differentiator and I'm, I'm not great at Shakespeare. It's not, it's, I'm not proud of that, but it's something that I find really challenging. Mm -hmm. So the, the point is, I, I have this exercise. You probably did it when you joined John's mm -hmm. class. I can't remember the, did you do this is what I know? Yeah. Yeah. So the exercise is this is what I know. I kind of want to know what you know about stuff, about mm -hmm. your life, about the things in your life every day. I don't need to know anybody's darkest secrets. I don't, it's not therapy. I just need to know your worldview. How do you see the world around you? What do you like? What do you not like and why? And then I need to see you do something that you're really good at. Like you bring in a piece that's, that you, you think ah, I'm really good at this. This shows everything. When I see what you know and I see who you are, mm -hmm. this is what I know is the who you are. That to me is the whole picture and of, of the artist. Now we're talking basically about film and television. Mm -hmm. but who you are will always dominate what you know. Because everybody's talented. There's so many talents. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, just massive talents everywhere. I, I'm always blown away by how much talent not only there is, but that is unrecognized in many cases. Mm. So who you are, the identity of what you present to the world, that blink of an eye feeling that you get when you meet someone for the mm -hmm. first time, that's part of film work. You can't teach that, but you need to open people's eyes to that. Yeah. And I was not, I, I was, the first couple of things I did on television, I was just dreadful because mm -hmm. I was acting. Hmm. You, could, you could see it. I wasn't comfortable in my own skin, at least in front of the camera. So that is that is the main takeaway of my book. Yeah. The main takeaway of what I'm about. Mm -hmm. And the reason I didn't see anyone teaching to that point of view. Mm -hmm. And I kind of still don't. I mean, I'm not in touch with all the all the people who teach. There's there's just a lot of them, and I I yeah. only know a handful, but. Uh, you know, most of them are locked into some sort of older methodology, like yeah. Meisner, this and that, and that, that's fine, but it's 80 years old. Regarding the concept of character, to what degree are you fitting what's the idea in a script versus coming in and doing something very different that's from you? Well, I think you always, always have to fit the idea that's in the script. Uh -huh. I think the script is the is the guideposts yeah um i'm very very technical as far as acting goes mm -hmm. i believe in i naturally get gravitate toward an outside in approach as opposed to uh, feelings i gravitate to okay where do i have to be here yeah okay, I have to be over by the table all right what am, what am i doing what is you know i look at the script very forensically in a yeah. way 
and I always have. And that's kind of not something that was taught to me, just something that I, mm. again, to use the word organic, I kind of developed. It was my instinct to do it oh. that way. But to your point of, I do think in film and television, it is, a, it is about worlds and faces. Mm. So Friends is a world. Mm-hmm. The Office is a world. Downton Abbey is a world. NCIS is a different world. Mm-hmm. Assuming everybody's talented at the professional level, they generally are talented enough to be on NCIS or shows like that. Then it comes down to identity, like the immediate blink of an eye thing. I, a personal story for me is that mm-hmm. I had an audition for Seinfeld um, back when that show was on the air a million years ago. And I had never been up for that show. And uh, a lot of my friends had, nobody I knew got it. And people had been up five, six times, didn't get it. So I go in and I was not prepared for the fact that Jerry Seinfeld was actually in the room, which surprised and delighted me. My very first line of this scene was, I'm speaking to George Costanza. And I say, George, the Mets need a new head of scouting, and we think that someone might be you. That's the line. Not a funny line. I said that line, and Jerry Seinfeld fell off his chair laughing. (laughs) And I'm going, what just happened? I don't know what just happened. Hmm. I, I said it the way I would say it. It isn't, to me, an inherently funny line. But at some level, he decided that guy fits in our world. Mm. And when he laughed, I liked it. And he literally like fell off the chair. And yeah. I, when, he, when he laughed, I went, oh, I got this. This is going to happen. Yeah. And it's because I fit in that world. Mm-hmm. And I think that you call that casting, call that serendipity, whatever it is, it's like you bring in something that's just, unique to you, again, we're getting back to the art of being yourself. That has to be buttressed and supported by really strong skills. Yeah, as far as, you know, I still, because I was trained this way and because I I still take like a theater approach when I get this script. This movie I just did, there wasn't a, I I was in it throughout. But there wasn't a lot on the page. I was in, you know, lots of scenes with these three or four other people who were similar characters to mine. And um, so it was much more of an environmental thing where things would happen on the set that somebody would say, oh, that's great. Let's do that. Keep that in. Hmm. You know, and that's fun, too. That's its own. Yeah. I mean, you also have to know your lines. Right. You have to know your continuity. You have to know, oh, I put down the glass with my left hand, right? You have to remember that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you have to be so at ease and it's just really hard. I, th- I always think that technique, me, having a solid repeatable technique yeah. Yeah. is something that uh, you just need to have that. It's a, it's, yeah. It's a repeatable thing. It has to be, you're going to do 10 takes of this, eight takes of this. You can do eight performances a week in a play sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, and within that, you have to maintain, within that, those constructs, you have to maintain your, your you have to be open. Yeah. To a new discovery. Yeah, exactly. 
So when you get an audition, what's your approach? Um, because you say with TV, it's about knowing the world and knowing faces. So how do you know the world? So obviously you can watch the show, right? right if it exists, but right. yeah. Like, okay. So you can watch the show, but say um, it's a breakdown. It's for a film. It doesn't, there's like, it doesn't exist yet. How do you kind of identify the world? And then how do you apply that to what you're doing? Yeah. Great question. Um, well, when I get an audition, first of all, it freaks me out because everything's got to be self-taped now and I'm mm -hmm. not great at that. So I generally go somewhere and have it done. So I at least offload that project onto somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, when you get something that is, or you can't immediately identify the world by, because it doesn't exist yet, mm -hmm. then you have to read the script, obviously. Right. If you, get the, you know, if you even have time, yeah. Now everything's so compressed. Yeah. And can you get the Can you get the full script? Sometimes not. Do you have time to read it? Sometimes mm -hmm. not. Um, it's educated guessing in a way. Yeah. I mean, I had one recently for a, a project where it's a, it's a it's a Ryan Murphy, but it was a, but it's a prestigious project. He's doing mm -hmm. a miniseries about Bill Clinton, and I got this audition from my agent. And it was to play this character named Dick Morris. Well, I'm old enough to remember Dick Morris. And they say twice in the description, should resemble the character. Mm. Well, I don't resemble him at all. <laughs> I found a picture of him and I put a picture of me and I sent it to my agent. I said, I don't think so. I said, I think I'm gonna pass on this because yeah. that's what they want. And mm. it's a lot of work to do these tapes. And so I just don't think it's got my name on it. Yeah. So like two days go by, they, they call me back and they say, they really want you to, I thought, oh shit. All right, so now I'm gonna have to do it. And now I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do it. And I know I'm not gonna get it. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately when I watch it, whenever it's on, if I even do watch it, they'll find somebody who looks like the character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of what they do and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Yeah. So, you know, in that case, I just had to do my approximation of what, I understood that world very well. Yeah. Uh, I tend to, as, a, as an actor, I tend to function in, well, in kind of professional worlds like lawyering and mm. that sort of thing. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not the guy you're gonna meet, you know, out in the country with the, with the alfalfa thing in his tooth. Yeah. That is not, that is not me, that's not where I fit in. So, uh, you know, I did it. I did, a, I did what I thought was a really good job. My agent thought they did a great job. Of course, heard nothing and they'll cast some guy who looks like the guy. <laughs> yeah. I, you're saying such great stuff though, because if you unpack that to a certain degree, it's like to simply know what you are, like who you are, to know, you said you're not in the world of um, like what you just said, right? And you kind of know that and you have an instinct about that. And you can, and you can trust that you don't have to always do everything if something you feel like is just not you, right? right. Well, I think about it this way, and it's different for people your age, obviously. Yeah. Um, people starting out should kind of do whatever everything. they can do. You know? <laughs> but I got to a point where I was working quite a bit, and I had I had three three reasons why I would do a part either either the project is so cool, I just want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. uh, they're willing to pay 
they're willing to pay mm -hmm. and pay my rate or even better. Mm -hmm. Or uh, these are people I want to work with. Yeah. If it, didn't, if it didn't really meet one of those three things, I would often say no. I would say no. I've said no a couple of times when I had no business saying no, where I, where I really needed the work. Mm. But that's also why I had built a voiceover career. So I, yeah. I could do that. I could. And I think saying no uh, is not a bad instinct if you if you really think about it. Yeah. There are people who say no because they're cowardly and they don't want to, yeah. you know, there's there's that but usually if you've been invited to a party you go to the party yeah so yeah. an audition is like an invitation to a party you should mm -hmm. generally go but like now when i'm you know older and i don't absolutely have to get every job i mean when my kids were young i had to get every job mm -hmm. i would basically walk into audition and say sorry everybody i have to book this job uh my kids going to summer camp you know <laughs> shit like that but, yeah. uh, and so that and that does push you forward that does that mm -hmm. urgency of needing to work either makes you paranoid or you become crippled by it yeah or or, or it empowers you to be bold and and to to go for it yeah completely, you know so it's such a head game you know this it's yeah. just miserable <laughs> miserable yeah i'm at a point now because for for all the reasons we've discussed where it's not that i don't care i do care mm -hmm. and if i get an audition of where it's like this film i just did is a perfect example it's pretty low budget i mean they weren't paying a lot they were paying obviously mm -hmm. but i read the script and i went this is a very good script mm -hmm. it was it was written by someone your age mm -hmm. for herself she was the lead and she wrote it and it was just an outstanding script. So I thought, yeah, if I, yeah, I would do this if I got it, you know? And it was the first job I'd done in COVID time. So that was mm -hmm. its own weird challenge. Yeah. It was fine, felt very safe. Yeah, awesome. So. Yeah, that's great. Do you think personal growth and growth as an actor go hand in hand? Yes, yeah. I do. Mm. I do. Um, yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of myths about actors and, you know, actors are, actors are childlike and they're not intelligent and all that bullshit. Mm -hmm. no. The best actors I know are really intelligent. Yeah, 100%. The best actors I know are mature, functioning adults. Um, so to every, you know, every cliche has a grain of truth somewhere. That's how they become cliches. But I think personal growth when it comes to, it depends how you define that. That's a very wide yeah. ranging term. Yeah, yeah. But as you get older, as an, the, any artist, whether you're an actor, a painter, musician, whatever you may be, as you get older, you gain some wisdom and you gain a clearer sense of who you are mm. and a confidence in who you are that I certainly have that that I didn't have when I was younger. Mm. Really didn't have that when I was younger at all. I just didn't know, I didn't know what I was doing, mm. honestly. I just yeah. did it and it kind of worked out and, you know, but I, I I don't think I had any clue what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> but I had good instincts, you know? Mm -hmm. Instincts are the are the basis for talent. If you don't have good instincts, you, you just, 
you can't yeah. make because this, the, the 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 small amount of prep time we have now on stuff like auditions you better have good instincts yeah because there's not a lot of time for exploration right even on the set sometimes you know it's it's that's just something that has always driven me crazy that still drives me crazy that's oh. just not i'm teaching a class right now uh, an acting class for directors oh, okay which is interesting and i did i've said to them i said if you can carve out a day or two to rehearse with your actors please do that <laughs> please do that yeah. because it's you will reap the rewards and and make them collaborators. Don't don't be the don't be the marionette master. Mm. Make them your collaborators. Listen to their some of some of their ideas. Now you're the director, and you obviously will ultimately make the decisions. But the actors are there to they want to be successful for you and with you. Yeah. So make them part of the deal. Yeah. That's, right? Yeah. And it's so collaborative, and I always feel like the environments that are have like a relaxation has also fosters a trust and just that's the best work comes out of that i feel like yeah when i did um a couple of years ago i did a i did a guest star on big little lies mm -hmm. and i was nervous because big little lies was like top shelf mm -hmm. you know and i hadn't it was like i was nervous okay to be yeah. nervous and the director on that was so brilliant and what, sh what the first day of shooting, the, the first AD said to myself and one other person who was also starting first, that same first day, said, now, Andrea, just so you know, Andrea doesn't say action and she doesn't say cut. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, okay, what does she say? Well, she wants you to improv your way into the scene and to feel it, and then when you're ready to launch into the actual scripted dialogue she will probably say something like okay off you go <laughs> which is what she did yeah and that was so incredibly brilliant yeah i love that because people say action and you just mm -hmm. tense up a little bit even if you're relaxed even if you're seasoned you kind of like you, you kind of tighten up a little bit and no, it was just so chill and so, uh, it's just, th there was a free flowing of ideas. And I was prepared because it's a David Kelly show and he's one of those elite writers where you don't change a syllable, mm. even by accident. I was prepared for that being strict and now they were very open to a little, you know, a little bit of improvisation as long as you did what the scene, you know, required. Mm. I so. love that. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that's a great thing for directors to take too. Cause it's, I've heard that, like I've heard so many, um, like from years ago where they would, they, people notice like the second they know they're being filmed, like no matter how minute it is, there's like a shift, even if you don't want that. Um, so like directors would film them when they didn't know they were on and like all those kinds of stories, you know? Yeah. So I love that because then it's you're in it and then it's because there is always the thing that happened before anyways. So do it, live it out and it just goes on. Exactly. Yeah. That's so great. Okay, I'm going to ask you a few random things. Okay, the, <laughs> cool. The first one, the first thing I want to ask you is what has been 
like your strangest or your most embarrassing or funniest or anything, but an audition story. Oh, easy. That's easy. Early on in my career, uh, I, I met a casting director. They used to do, uh, they don't do it anymore, I don't think, but they used to do general, general meetings. Your mm -hmm. agent would set up a general meeting. Oh, go meet this person. Yeah. And that's how you got to know people. I don't, I don't really think they do that at all anymore. But anyway, I was on a general meeting with this casting director and she was asking me, and I just, I had arrived in town. I, you know, I, I wasn't known at that point at all. She was very nice. And then about five minutes into it, I noticed she was, I wish I had something I could do, but she was picking her tooth with the corner of my picture. <laughs> And I stopped and I said, I'm sorry, did you just pick your tooth with my picture? Oh my God. And she goes, oh God, I'm so sorry. And so I just left. I said, I gotta go. I walked out. Yeah. And as I didn't know what to do, and I felt like it had to be acknowledged. Yeah. And I called my agent. I said, the strangest thing just happened. This, by the way, was, was not an unimportant casting director. Mm -hmm. And I told, I told my agent and she called the casting director up and I think read her the riot act a little bit, got a little mm -hmm. heated with her and everything was fine after that. But uh, yeah, so that happened. Yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. Wow, that's weird, huh? I like that you, you did something about it. You didn't just kind of like, I couldn't not. Yeah, it was too crazy to ignore or like even try to be polite. So yeah. Yeah. If so there were, if there were any other profession that you were to attempt, what would it be? Oh man, I think I would have been a really good therapist. Hmm. Okay. Then again, listening to people's troubles all day long, I'm sure, is really difficult. Hmm. It's got to be. I don't really know. I'm I'm pretty much of a uh, I'm pretty much of a of a right brain person, pretty creative person. Yeah. My analytical skills are just average, and I don't know. I think I'm I, whatever I might have done other than this would have to have been very much personally based on just an interaction with people. Yeah. And therapy, I think, would have been maybe I would have been good at that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Never know. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. And then, if you were a professional athlete, what sport would you play? Oh, baseball. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. <laughs> not even, that's not even close. Wow. Have you played baseball? I used to play as a kid, and then I, when I tried to play in high school, I realized, oh, these guys are way better than me. Oh. <laughs> I, uh, I could always hit. I was a pretty good hitter, but wow. I was. I was not great in the field. And then you get to a certain point where you go, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Mm. That's what I wanted to be as a kid. That was oh, my yeah. Goal. Oh, yeah. I just love, I still love the game. It's a great game. But yeah. no, that, that was not in my future, Jenna. <laughs> and what is something you do to be the now? Um, that's an interesting question because of what we've been through. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that has changed it in a way. It's very easy to 
when you're, you know, go, go back to pre-COVID time. Yeah. We're busy, we're running around, we're doing all this stuff, we're in our cars a lot, we're, it's very easy to not be in, to not be present. Right. And I think having been uh, essentially home, my wife works from home, mm -hmm. I work from home, see my, my sons maybe once a week, and there was a long time during the pandemic where we didn't see them. Yeah. Um, I think it's just being, I think, what we've all gone through, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to be unpacking it psychologically for a few years. Mm. I think it either turns you against being in the now, or you become more present because you have to be. Mm. You have to be. And um, I can't say that I consciously do anything. I mean, I'm not, yeah. I, I'm not pooing any new age stuff that yeah. people do to be in the now. Um, but I think it's like, even, you know, there, there are things that irritate me. There are people that irritate me. Um, always has been that way. It's human nature, I think. Mm -hmm. And it's, for me, it's not disengaging with them. Like even when my, when my sons were young, they were challenging as most kids are. Well, kids mm -hmm. are challenging. And it's really easy to go, oh, I just don't want to deal with that now. I can't. But you have to. You must. Mm. And so it's, for me, being in the now is doing things you must do because it's proper to do them. Mm. And to not do them is going to make whatever problem you're addressing even bigger. Yeah. So it's just that. It's just, yeah. you know, and trying to be you know, for me, at this point, I mean, I, without sounding kind of uh, fatalistic, I mean, I've made it to 70. I get up every day, I touch myself, I go, okay, still here, still breathing, everything's good. Get up, make my coffee, get the paper, do the whole morning thing. And that I'm very, very conscious of that when I wake in, in the middle, in the beginning of the day, I'm very conscious of just acknowledging being present and being alive yeah. and being all the elemental things that we deal with as humans. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. I've enjoyed it.